Oh, you've got such a nice look of appreciation from those people, Alan. They probably think I'm Claire Baldings. <laughs> Lots of people do. <laughs> Someone once said to me, you're like a cross between Princess Diana and Claire Balding. I said, wow, OK, I'll take that, I suppose. It must be the hair. <laughs> this week on Walking the Dog, Raymond and I went for a stroll in London's Green Park with a man who has one of the most celebrated singing voices in the world classical music superstar, Mr. Alec Jones. Alec is also a TV presenter and radio broadcaster on Classic FM, but most importantly, he adores dogs. And he was overjoyed to spend time with Raymond as he sadly lost his beautiful Bichon Friso a couple of years ago. And I was genuinely welling up when he was talking about it. We had the loveliest time with Alec. He was so warm and funny and charming. We chatted about his incredibly early start in show business when he was discovered by a member of his local congregation in Wales as a young chorister and the phenomenal career that followed. He told me what it was like getting invited to sing privately for Prince Charles and Princess Diana, hanging out with David Bowie and George Michael when he performed at Bob Geldof's wedding and how his parents really helped him stay grounded throughout it all. And of course, we chatted about the song that changed his entire life, Walking in the Air, which I imagine he's pretty sick of hearing by now, but Alid's such a good sport, he even serenaded Raymond with a burst of it. Not me, my dog, none taken, Alid. It was also really touching to see how proud he is of his daughter Amelia, who starred in the Oscar-winning film Coda, and having chatted to him, I can totally see why she comes across as just so unspoiled and unfazed by all this global attention. Alad has recently ventured into another creative area, becoming a children's author. His hero, Bobby Dean, is a nine-year-old who, of course, has a magical voice. The beautifully written and very heartwarming book. So do check out Alad's first book, Bobby Dean Saves Christmas, and his latest title, Bobby Dean and the Golden Egg. I really hope you enjoy my walk with Alad as much as I did. I'm going to stop talking now and hand over to the man himself. Here's Alad and Raymond and me. And then Alad. Is he called Alad? <laughs> I will talk to you like you're my dog. Thanks. Do you want to put me on a lead, do you? <laughs> Alad, what do you think of Raymond? I think Raymond is awesome. <laughs> um, we've bonded already. I've what, been here like five minutes and um, we've already had a cuddle. It's going so well. I think Raymond likes me as well, which is more important. But don't you think dogs sense have strong senses about people, don't you think? Oh, 100%. Um, the happiest times I've ever had was with our little cubby, um, who unfortunately passed away just before um, the first lockdown. Um, he was a Bichon and the most brilliantly natured dog I've ever met in my life. Fluffy. Oh. Alan, this is a problem. Yeah, Raymond is not happy that I've mentioned another dog. <laughs> He's already jealous. Well, the trouble is, you Come mentioned... On, uh, yeah. Is it a Bichon? Yeah, Bichon Frise. And Bichon, oh, you see, you see, it's the Welsh. You've got this beautiful pronunciation. Bichon Frise. <laughs> you pronounce it like P-A-E-Z-U. You say it beautifully. Yeah, I do everything like a chorister. <laughs> yeah. Bichon Frise. Bichon Frise. <laughs> so, I think Raymond was jealous because the Bichon Frise... Bichon Frise. <laughs> Every time you say it, I just have to sing it, do I? Bichon Frise Bichon is... Bichon Frise, yeah. 
He's a sensationally good-looking dog. Yes. So is Raymond. Do you think so? Yeah. Does he molt? Did you hear what that man said? What did he say? He shouted. He looks like an Ewok. Wow. I think he meant the dog, Alice. Wow, how... <laughs> he doesn't look like an Ewok. How rude. Oh, yeah. He might have meant me, Alice. Yeah, or me. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Oh, he's awesome. I like the way he bounces when he walks. Which way should we go, Alice? Yeah, let's go down here, shall we? We're in... The very sort of regal green park. I love it that we met outside the Ritz. Do you know what? I think you're a classy man. I know the head chef there, believe it or not. You. John Williams, yeah, I met him on a cooking show and we really got on. And he and his right-hand chef, Deepak, I know really well. And they're really lovely people. So it's really, I'm really glad we met there. Well, I should formally introduce you. I'm so thrilled to have this man on my podcast. I'm with someone with possibly one of the most recognisable and celebrated voices in the world. Oh, gosh. <laughs> He's also a TV and radio presenter. He's an actor. Ish. He's... <laughs> <laughs> I like that you're heckling your own interest. Yeah, well, actor, let's... let's yeah, I'm not sure. And now, best-selling children's author. Oh, wow, thanks. <laughs> Mr. Alec Jones. Lovely to be here with you and Raymond. Oh. Oh. Hope you've got a bag. <laughs> Hang on one second. So you looked them for one second as if you didn't. And that, I, why does he do a little double spin before he goes for it? It's a bit weird, isn't it? I don't quite understand it. I think. Good boy, Raymond. That's a funny one. Yeah, that was a two-coloured one. <laughs> wow. And surprisingly long for such a small dog. The worst moment is when they've just had a comfort break. Yeah. And you're holding the comfort break and then you bump into someone you know and you start talking and you want to say, that's not me that smells, I'm yeah. just waiting to find a bin. I found out the worst thing that Cubby did for me, um, my little Bichon, was that we were walking uh, in southwest London, uh, where I live, and um, he was walking past this little doorway to a house and he had a runny one on the doorway as the owner was coming out of the house. And the owner literally just stepped over it and just tutted. And I was bright red thinking to myself, oh my God, Cubs, how could you do this to me? Um, but you know, they have to go, don't they? Alad, I'm so sorry you lost your dog. That must oh. be so sad for you because you adored your dog. Not just me, but my, yeah. my whole family and yeah. my son especially. He still has a picture of Cubby uh, next to his bed. And you know, he, he particularly took it, well, we all took it really hard. I cried, I'd hate to say it, but I cried more at the loss of Cubby than I did my, even my grandparents, yeah. you know, it was, because um, he was just the integral part of the family and, and as I say, the most, I'm tearing up, the most gorgeous dog ever. And he didn't molt, <laughs> it's a win-win. I absolutely love Bichons. There's one that lives near me called, like the way I see them as having an independent life, yeah. it's got a flat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's got a flat in central <laughs> London. <laughs> Bachelor. Do you want to hear the weirdest story of how we got Cubby? So basically, um, I was doing a musical with H from Steps, who I know really well, Ian Watkins, and he has a Bichon called Dewey, who's still alive actually, um, and must be really old now. And so we all loved Dewey, and so we decided we'd get a Bichon, and so H came with us. So we drove all the way down to Southampton to pick up this dog, and his litter number was 007, and so Cubby is Kyle Gubby, which is Hollyhead, which is on Anglesey where I live, but also Cubby Broccoli 007. <laughs> See, I overthought the name. 
Um, and the first thing that Cubby did in the back of the car, sitting on H's lap, was pee on him. <laughs> so that was the story of uh, Cubby coming into our lives. Come on, lovely. I want to go back a bit just to talk about Jones Jr. and dogs and all that sort of stuff. And yeah. The Alec Jones origin story. So, yeah. your mum and your dad, yep. and she was a teacher. Primary school teacher, dad an engineer in an aluminium smelter. Yeah. And, and it was just the three of us. And how was that, do you think, being an only child? You don't know any different, really, do Not you? really. And actually, in, in a way, it was a good thing because of all the travelling and stuff I had yeah. to do as a kid. And, you know, there was no sibling rivalry or anything like that. So, yeah, and it was... And I had a, a great group of friends, you know, growing up in North Wales. We had all the freedom, you know, we're in the park now, but, you know, in Wales, this was my life, really. We'd be kicking a football, climbing trees. Um, yeah, it was a, a brilliant free childhood. And you, did you have any pets when you were growing up? No, I didn't. Next door had a dog, um, which would come round to ours all the time. And your uh, grandparents had a Jack Russell? Is uh, that yeah, right? they had Jack Russell, yeah, and called Spot. And, um, yeah, and I loved Spot like mad, and, you know, the highlight was always taking him for a walk uh, at weekends and stuff. Um, but, yeah, we never had a pet. Um, I think I had a gerbil once, which <laughs> didn't last very long. Do <laughs> <laughs> you know, I always think only children, this is just my observation, there's a maturity to them. And I think that sometimes comes with hanging out with adults a lot more. And well, I, I did that all through my life, yeah. lifetime. I, I wouldn't say I'm very mature, but um, <laughs> I'm still massively a kid at heart. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think that that's really true because, you know, Monday to Friday, I was with uh, like-minded kids, but then Friday, Saturday and Sunday, I would be performing or hanging out with adults. So it does make you grow up quite quickly, I suppose. Well, you've got such a nice look of appreciation from those people, Alan. People really like you, don't they? I didn't even notice. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> they probably think I'm Claire Baldings. <laughs> Lots of people do. <laughs> don't you pee in the park now. Come on, please. <laughs> Someone once said to me, you're like a cross between Princess Diana and Claire Balding. I said, wow, OK, I'll take that, I suppose. It must be the hair. <laughs> you, um, but you were pretty young when you realised you had this gift because you were sort of two when you would sing a lot, wouldn't you? Yeah, I'd find music in everything. So even the noises that we hear around us now. Come on, lovely. Yeah, I could find music in uh, hair dryers and running water and things like that. I would always find a tune in it. Um, and yeah, I always sang. But, you know, I never ever thought that I had a gift or anything. Even when I was making the records and everything, I was just a kid who sang and people seemed to like it and so that's what I did you know but in four years I did 16 albums which is mental looking back on it now that's like four albums a year who does that you know and you were singing it's a lovely story actually because there was a member of the congregation wasn't yeah, there yeah Hevina yeah she's gorgeous well she was uh, Hevina Orwig Evans and she was the one that started the whole thing really you know she wrote to a local record company in Wales um, asking them to record my voice without us knowing mum or dad or myself but we got a letter to the post saying do you want to share an album with a boy soprano in Sandaf Cathedral in South Wales and we'll call it you know the voices of Wales or whatever and she said I, I the letter that she I read the letter I didn't break into a house or anything no, it's been yeah. shared since and it was such a beautiful letter she said I just think I have nothing to gain from this or something, she said. I just think it would be such a shame yeah. if this boy's extraordinary voice, I'm paraphrasing, I apologise, but, you know, wasn't preserved no, that, for that's posterity. that's exactly what she said, yeah. And I thought, 
How incredible. She, there was no money, there was no, no financial. She, what a, an incredible story. And also, it's not as if she just rattled it off on an email. You know, it was a handwritten yeah. letter back then that she'd gone to the table and actually gone to the bother of writing it. And she changed yeah. your life. Oh, Alan. she 100% did. And she'd get a copy of all the albums before they came out. So she would, and she'd love it. You know, so she'd, she'd have the kind of the official listen and she'd go, oh, oh yes, I love it. You know, and, and then the album would come out. But yeah, she was amazing. Uh, absolutely amazing woman. And as you say, without her, I don't think I'd be. Come on, lovely. Raymond's not keen on that story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at this dog, Alan. What do you think that is? I, I'm hopeless with makes. What kind of dogs are these? Uh, mine is a Cairn. Cairn, Terrier. Yeah. Aha. Uh -huh. What's the little black one? He's a, a Fuchi, Fuchilin Chihuahua. Oh. Wow, I've never seen one. Is that his name as well? Oreo. Oreo, okay. <laughs> Good name too. Lovely dogs. Absolutely. Come oh, yeah. on, Raymond. Bye-bye. I like a poochie, do you? So do I. I love a poochie. So, you were, as you say, you were a chorister, weren't you? Yeah, and there was sometimes, because it, it was Bangor Cathedral, okay, um, which I thought at the time was the biggest cathedral in the world. And actually, it's a tiny, tiny, tiny one okay, compared to Winchester and all these magnificent Ely and places like that. And on a Thursday night service, Hevino would very often be the only person in the congregation at five o'clock on a Thursday night and, and and she was always there always listening to the music and yeah and you know to take it on herself really to write this record company but it, it takes a weird turn as well because that record was on sale in St David's Hall in Cardiff and they don't have a shop there was just somebody random selling my record in this place and a BBC producer from London was there um, bought my record and he was doing three programs from Israel um, for the BBC One, huge programmes, and asked me to be the soloist, and that's how the whole sort of the whole of Britain then got to hear the voice. Because the first programme, I'll never forget the producer ringing my dad up the night before, going, um, "We've pressed four thousand copies of an album of a you know vinyl back then, and um, we don't expect anyone to buy it, but it's just a nice little memento." And the programme went out, it was watched by like seventeen million or something ridiculous, and the same producer rang my dad at the end of the following week saying uh, it's already sold 250,000 copies he's number two in the charts behind Bruce Springsteen and born in the USA and, and, and that was it I was 13 yeah that was mad it was a very intense period almost and adding to that this media obsession as well with your bloody voice breaking yeah but, you know, I knew it was going to happen. So, you know, it was just it was just towards the end of my boy career when I was like sort of approaching 16, yeah. where it felt like I was constantly saying, I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. You know, I don't think there'll be blood, you know. Uh, so it was just kind of by then I was a bit fed up with having to justify why I was still singing boy soprano. You always just came across, though, Alan, as so well adjusted and... Well, like I you hope had I your was, really. On. Yeah, I hope I was. And that's down to my mum and dad. Yeah. You know, I often think back now, because um, I'm 51, um, which is kind of scary, um, and think, you know, they were much younger than I am now when they were going through it, you know, and for them to have to give up so much of their life. My dad is painfully shy. Um, and so, you know, having to go down to London and mix with celebs and stuff like that, that's his idea of utter hell. You know, he just wants to be in the garden or on his sailing boat fishing and stuff. And yeah, so I'm so thankful to them for allowing me the opportunity to do it, but also being there, you know, to hold my hand, I suppose. Yeah. And obviously with 
you know, walking in the air, that things exploded for you. And it became this sort of uh, anthem that was associated with you. And yeah. It was Top of the Pops. And, there was, and then you were being invited to go and sing personally for Prince Charles and Princess Diana. And yeah. You're on the train. I love that. You're just getting on the yeah. train. Standard class. Dad always made me go standard because he said, otherwise you'll get big-headed. So literally everyone will be looking at me and nudging themselves, going, look, there's Ella Jones. And I'd have my Walkman on listening to Les Mis back to back. And that's how I know every single word of that musical, every part. <laughs> and they were so lovely to you, weren't they? And they made you oh, feel so at home. It was amazing. And, you know, my, my, I never forget Prince Charles, what he did. He said, you know, it was my pianist from North Wales um, and my mum and me sitting in Kensington Palace um, Prince Charles walks in uh, Diana was just finishing off a swim and Prince Charles says what can I get you to drink ladies and so my pianist just went you know oh uh, water please and my mum didn't know if he meant drink drink <laughs> or cup of tea and so she was like pausing and he went why don't you join me in a G&T he said you know and so it was just the ice was broken and yeah it was it was an amazing well, couple of the, hours the glass was nearly broken yes. you spilt water on the floor oh Alan. god yeah you know too much about <laughs> me yeah a whole pint of water on their carpet and Diana was lovely she just rubbed it in and said oh the kids do it all the time don't worry but I bet when you left she said that bloody chorus yeah yeah <laughs> ruined our carpet Charles we'll have to get a new one now uh, I was so embarrassed it was such a surreal thing for a kid. It was only four years as well, you know. So because everyone it, thinks it was uh, for, went for ages, but it was, yeah, it was four, four years. Well, it's because you packed all these things. And again, I remember seeing it, it was like, oh, there's Alid singing in front of the Pope and the Queen. And oh, there's Alid. Oh, the Alid. Royal, it's a knockout. <laughs> God. Can you imagine being in a comprehensive school in North Wales and they see you wearing a pork pie hat and tights <laughs> going, the next game, my Lord, is... Oh, you sung at Bob Geldof's wedding and there's a fabulous picture of you with David Bowie. Oh, yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> I love it. It's so surreal. Yeah. To be honest with you, and this is an awful thing to say, at the time I was probably more excited about Spandau Ballet. <laughs> it's not good, is it? Steve Norman, the saxophonist. Oh, I love him. He had him. to tell me to go away after a while because I was just following them constantly. I, I literally thought I was the, the, the newest member of the band and he was like, mate, mate, go and, go and, go and hang out with people your own age. What he actually meant was half off <laughs> but that wedding was again Bob um, what a lovely man and Paula as well um, they included my family and um, you know mum and dad and I had never been to a wedding like that ever you know and you never will again probably um, so yeah to be part of it was uh, amazing I look back and I'm slightly embarrassed about the fact that I was wearing um, luminous socks <laughs> one green and one uh, orange but it, you know that was the the style at the time, apparently, and never forget Simon Le Bon coming up to me going, great singing, mate, great socks as well. <laughs> There's a lovely moment, and I think it's interesting when we're talking about how you did seem very grounded, you know, you're constantly interviewed and stuff, and you've done some massive thing and big performance, and you came back and you were sort of a bit overwhelmed and you were crying and yeah, you were yeah, sobbing yeah. and... Your parents, I thought that was so key that they dealt with it. They said, it's a great experience. There'll yeah. be other great experiences. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I can remember to, and I don't think I've ever spoken about this, but I can remember being in the back of that yellow Cavalier and it was coming back from Cardiff and it just had lightly snowed. And I just remember everything just felt like it was on top of me that, yeah. you know, I'd had this amazing experience that had made me feel so good on stage and singing. Where's Raymond gone? Come on, Raymond. Raymond. 
Come on. Follow and on. yeah, I just remember on. just kind of feeling that, you know, will this ever happen again? And, and I really wanted it to. And I suppose that's when I appreciated that what I was doing was making me feel good as well, not just other people. Oh, is that? That's Poochie. That's Poochie again. So that was a real sort of significant moment, and like I say, it's, it seems like you just had such great parenting. Yeah, and you know what, my mum and dad, they're still my best friends, you know. Um, I was up with them recently, I just did a, a bit of a um, TV programme in Wales for Channel 4 Wales, because I speak Welsh, and um, it's always great to get home. You know, when I was 18, I, and I don't, again, don't want to offend anyone in Wales, but I couldn't wait to get down to London, to the big city, you know. And, and now when I go home, I just feel like, oh, this is just so much better. Really? <laughs> yeah. And I just, and I was filming along the Menai Straits. I don't know if you know Anglesey. And yeah. it's just so beautiful. beautiful. And, and I just thought, you know, why am I in London? You know, what, what, I love London as well, don't get me wrong. But it just feels like that place is li- my yeah. home, you know, and it's where I'd love to live in the future. Would you? Yeah, definitely. You stayed locally when you were younger, though, yeah, didn't you? Yeah, I did, oh, yeah, up to 18, and then I went yeah. to college. And, and to be honest with you, I had my childhood in, uh, in the Royal Academy of Music. You know, I was out every night playing football, and all I had to do was learn a few pieces a week, which I could do easily. It's kind of weird in your situation, because you've had all this fame and success, and you were a star, essentially. And did you... Did that feel weird, sort of re-assimilating yourself into student life in a way? It did a little bit in the Royal Academy of Music because yeah. every time I had a lesson, there'd always be people outside the door listening. Yeah. And, and my adult voice really wasn't doing what my brain was telling it to do because I was there too young. Um, you know, I should have really gone to college and then gone to the Royal Academy of Music, probably looking back. But Bristol was the place where I started to learn a craft again, if you like, yeah. you know, and they... they take you apart and then build you back up again and and I had really some really great friends in Bristol I remember the first day you sit around in a semicircle and the first person says oh hi my name's whatever uh, and my claim to fame is and I was number 15 I think out of 15 and Guy who became my uh, closest friend one of my closest friends said oh hi I'm Guy and my claim to fame is that I'm sitting next to every (laughs) granny's favorite and of course everyone laughed and took the mickey and and but that broke the ice completely and then that was it then I was just a normal student did you ever think oh god I hope I can sing when my voice develops I never did you know and I think back I was pretty stupid Um, (laughs) I never I never I just did sing you know, there was never that moment where I had that squeaky voice bit where some of my friends weren't like that all the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I was praying that that wouldn't happen because I thought the press would probably love that. And um, Yeah, so I always sang. And yeah. by then I'd done quite a lot of media. I'd done, I don't know, Radio 2 on Christmas mornings and stuff like that. Yeah. And you'll never guess who's back. I'm Poochie. Poochie. He's having the best life, isn't he? <laughs> He's like in Green Park today, having the time of his life. Hi, Poochie. Hey. Why is his owners? They're there just sitting on the bench. But do you know what? I like their relaxed parenting Yeah, style. it's good, isn't it? It's good. I'm like, I wish Poo-. I would be like that. <laughs> I go, oh, is he, is he upsetting you? Sorry. That's what I'm... It's like Poochie's jumping on kids. <laughs> he'll be fine. He's eaten that berry before. He's, he'll live. <laughs> and then... And you were in Joseph. Yeah, I, that was so fortunate that, you know, can you imagine leaving Bristol Vic and going into, like, the biggest musical in the world at the time? Amazing. Um, and again, though, you know, I would have standing ovations every night, but I still wasn't really enjoying the singing. Uh, well, you know, I just felt alien. Was? I don't know. I think, again, I was too young. And everyone thought that my Joseph had impressive six-pack. It was actually <laughs> ribs. I was so skinny. <laughs> it was, uh, I wish I was now. God. 
but you did handle it. You didn't go off the rails, and you know it's very common for that to happen. And um, but you know what? It's like off the rails is a weird one because I always mm. think that you know I've always just been a normal person, you know, I, who enjoys probably too much too many glasses of Sauvignon Blanc. But um, mm. you know, I've, I enjoy the, the life I lead, you know, and I'm so lucky to be able to do the radio and the TV and the singing because you know, as you say, it could have all sort of ended on my 16th birthday really my mum and dad always joke there's a plumber in North Wales called Alan Jones and he's got his name written on the van and my mum and dad said you know he's probably earning more than you <laughs> you've got quite a lot of leaves on you Raymond, oh, Raymond Alan's going to take your leaves off your bottom and other things I never thought I'd say yeah. <laughs> now there's a new podcast <laughs> um but I think it's your parents, and I think also very telling to me that you, what the first thing you did, a lot of people in your position, with your level of fame and all the rest of it, would not have humbled themselves and said, I'm going to college. Oh, yeah, I had to do that, really, because I think if I hadn't, then my line that I always use, and it actually is something I, I genuinely do think, is that if, some, if I get a rubbish review now, at least I'm qualified rubbish. Whereas if I'd just, you know, gone straight into, I don't know, media, yeah. who knows yeah. what would have happened, really. But it's, it, it's interesting that you say, you know, it's down to my parents, but it's also down to it's my down wife, to Claire, oh, as well, because she is the only person that tells it as it is, as far as I'm concerned, you know. Will you tell me quickly how you met her? I met her in Blackpool uh, on North Pier. How romantic. And my opening line was, I'm sorry if my uh, breath smells of onion. I, I, I was slightly hungover after the first night of Joseph and I'd had a beef and onion sandwich on the way down. Can you imagine? And she sat next to me on a carousel because um, she was taking a year out of college and helping with the Sour Circus. And um, she's from a sort of circus. Yeah, yeah her, fa- her father sadly passed away uh, oh, when we, yeah. just after we got together. Um, but yeah, she was... Um, she, talk about keep them... Uh, treat them mean to keep them keen she used to make me sit outside Woolworth and wait for her for about an hour can you imagine I was in the biggest show in Blackpool there'd be a queue of about 30 people asking for my autograph I'd be bright red and then she'd troll up and she knew I'd been waiting there so I was like wow but yeah no she's always been um well she's really she's an incredibly strong person but also you know she literally tells it as it is I did um this morning uh this week and she went you look really fat. You've definitely got to go on a diet. And so <laughs> I am from Monday. I'm back on it. Do you know what? She's always, she's been my best friend since the moment I met her, really. And mm. I get on with her mother-in-law, like house on fire as well. Um, we're quite dysfunctional when we're all together. Um, <laughs> but I like that, you know. Uh, my mum and dad are the same. So what followed was this extraordinary career. You've done a load of TV and you're turned out you had a real talent for that as well I enjoy it you know I, I yeah. think the, the problem is with TV is that the more you do the less singing you do because right. there's just not any time yeah. so when I did Daybreak for two years um, I hardly did any singing and I was, kept thinking to myself why am I doing this you know mm. um, well thankfully Lorraine was next to me and Lorraine Kelly and she and I are like best yeah. mates and so she she kept me going through that period really and uh, you know I always say that if they'd put out what Lorraine and I were talking during the break, it would have been a much more entertaining programme. <laughs> She's such a diamond. Yeah, she? true pro. Yeah, I learned such a lot from her. And, and, you know, there was a time when I was doing Escape to the Country, Cash in the Attic yeah. and all that business. And now I think I've got the balance right. I do Songs of Praise and dip into other shows here, there and everywhere. But the, 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 especially after Covid now, my mm. big priority is to sing more. You've been just touring, doing a cathedrals tour. Yeah, which was 
uh, postponed twice because of COVID. And honestly, the first night I walked on, and I, was, I was clutching the mic stand thinking, I, I don't know if I remember how to do this. You know, it was really unnerving, actually. And then very emotional. And I think I enjoyed this last tour probably more than I've ever enjoyed any other tour. Just because being out there was, and also singing in cathedrals, you know. It's and was that linked to the album that you had out, Blessings? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the book and, and the, the album book. and everything was... Um, and Anna the Jones doesn't do things by heart. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you know, the Blessings thing came out of lockdown, really, you know, the fact that I've always wanted, I've always picked up these little, you know, these little sayings or whatever. Um, and so I compiled it and put it together. Um, There's one for every day of the year. And it's amazing how many people have really enjoyed it and how, how it's on coffee tables everywhere. And that's what I wanted. Um, and I've just kind of um, bookended every month with my feelings towards that month. For instance, you know, I hate January. I always have, um, almost feels like you get to the end of the year, December, and you kind of pat yourself mm-hmm. on the back and you've done it. And then, oh, and the little cubby's in there as well. A great drawing uh, done by Jerry, my friend. Yeah, and so, you know, lockdown meant that all my singing went. I think it was something like over 110 concerts went in my diary. It was like a scene from Harry Potter. It was in my eye cal, and I just went, <laughs> everyone went, disappeared in front of my eyes and I'm thinking okay right and then yeah. with everyone else you know, lockdown one meant you drank Sauvignon Blanc earlier and earlier every week you know <laughs> you'd be good at, it'd be six o'clock yeah. like the first for the first couple of weeks and it, by the end it was like after lunch you know so I thought I need to do something else yeah. uh, I was doing the radio classic, classic FM, FM all the way through yeah. which was lovely having that um, opportunity to go in to do it in the radio station it meant that that week that was my focus you know what I mean and so I suddenly thought to myself the family are going away to Canada um, I'll be on my own for about three months and I've always been keen to want to write for kids wowzers what a gorgeous colour dog Hello, lovely dog amazing what's he called when he sees someone another dog he just doesn't listen to reason <laughs> uh, well there you go fair enough I'm a bit like that <laughs> <laughs> what's your dog called Wilbur. Wilbur. Wilbur, what a great name. <laughs> Wilbur, aren't you beautiful? He's a bit bigger than you, Raymond. Yeah, he's about uh, he's so ten cutie. times. Looks yeah. like a toy. Oh my goodness. Are you real? Oh, look. <laughs> I, like, look I thought so he just liked me, but he's obviously very fickle. <laughs> I was like, I'm gorgeous. I can just see here. Wilbur's Uh-oh. absolutely ill with jealousy. Yeah, he is, yeah. He's like, what is happening? <laughs> See here. Nice to meet you. I like that part of dog walking, Alex. Do you know do what? You? I just thought to myself then, yeah. I've really missed doing this. Aww. Because dogs do get you out, don't they? Yeah. Although yeah. I'm not brilliant at the old kind of dog chat, as in, you know, oh, what's his name? <laughs> or, you know, where's he come from? And stuff like that. I'm always a little bit kind of, let's go, let's go Cubs, you know. Um, Whereas my wife will stop and talk for 20 minutes about, you know, how often he poos and stuff like that. I think it's tough for you when you're such a recognisable face. I think when, you've, when you're a high-profile figure, I, th- I guess it is tougher. Do you know what? I've never known any different. I'm not bothered about people stopping me at all, yeah. ever. Um, it's almost worse when they don't, <laughs> when they just whisper, you know, to one another or point. Um, if people just chat, I, I never mind at all. My fans are just getting into that you can take photos on your phone, so it's all right. Somebody came up to me on tour and I had to have a photo taken with her. She was a lovely, dear old lady. And she had that original Motorola flip phone. (laughs) (laughs) And and the camera, there was a camera on it, unbelievably. It made the loudest camera clicking noise. It was like, (laughs) for the photo. 
So yeah, you were saying, Alex. Oh so, yeah, the lockdown. Uh, yeah. And I've always been keen to um, try and write something for kids because I've written books before, but they've been like favourite carols or hymns or whatever. And so I'd, I'd done the book with Hodder, the Blessings book, and I, I yeah. gave them my idea. And they put me together with an editor called Dave Gatwood, who I got on with instantly. He's yeah. an amazing writer, amazing wit, lovely guy. And the first thing he said to me is, right, I'm not writing a word of this book. Been there, done all that in the past. If you want to do this, you're going to do it properly. And I'll teach you how to write for kids. And so for six months, we went backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards, kind of, I'd write something and he'd say, well, you see, twist that round, do, and gradually I got better and better at doing it. I'm still nowhere near the finished article, but through him, um, you know, I've done the two books and now we're working on the third. So, and also the illustrator, Rosie Brooks, who you should meet, You'll, you'd love her. She's drawn Bobby Dean beautifully. And, and again, th uh, through the book, she's now a firm friend as well and uh, a lovely person. So yeah, it's been and a so great experience. Bobby Dean um, Saves Christmas yes. is the first one, yep. which I love. Oh, thank you. And it's this character who's, he, he grows up on a farm. Yep. I'm seeing some parallels here. He loves dogs. He does love dogs. Rough, He's got a singing. Dog. Whenever he sings, amazing things happen. They do, and sometimes <laughs> not good things. Um, but basically what happens is if he's nervous or he's scared about yeah. something or something's not right, he involuntarily, uh, what's the word? Uh, involuntary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, bursts into song. Yeah. So that can happen anywhere. And um, yeah, I don't know where it came from, really. It's... Uh, did you talk to, I mean, obviously we'll mention your daughter and your son is, um, he's inherited your gear. Well, he sang when he was a boy. Now he's 17 yeah. and six foot two. <laughs> so now he's literally welded to his iPad for 99% of waking life. Oh. Do you think he'll sing? He has got a voice. He sings yeah. in the car with me occasionally. But, you know, we've never put any pressure on either yeah. of our kids. Reads. They can do what they want. I suppose my daughter sings more than anyone in our house. She's constantly got music on and singing along with it. So Bobby Dean Saves Christmas um, was the first. One. first yeah. And then the one that's just come out is Easter themed, isn't it? It's chocolate themed, definitely. Uh, Coco Divine. And there's uh, a dog in it there's called a dog, Ruffian. There's a dog called Ruffian. There's a mouse called it's Noel, who's my favourite character. Yeah. I shouldn't say that, but... Um, and Noel... Um, has a pal in the second book, another mouse called Nippy. Um, and then the third one will be out the end of the summer if I get my finger out. Yeah, I didn't want to preach to them at all because who am I to preach? But, you know, for instance, the, the Bobby Dean and the Golden Egg is all about kind of that together you can achieve things that maybe you can't yeah. on your own, you know, yeah. and not to also stand up for something that you don't believe in. I kind of burst with pride if anyone says they've even read it. So, because um, yeah, it's something that, you know, was born out of a pretty rubbish time being away from family. Yeah. And, you know, my daughter was filming in Canada and I was here for six months on my own at one point um, because of COVID and they wouldn't yeah. let me back in and yeah. stuff like that. Well, we need to chat about that briefly as well because you're fabulous. Both, you have two very fabulous children. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're great. And um, your daughter has... I mean, it's extraordinary, isn't it? Yeah, it's, well, the, the great thing about what she does is that she's such a hard worker. You know, I, uh, I say this about This is Amelia, birth. we should say, who yeah, was Amelia. nominated yeah. for... Well, her film, Coda, won... The Oscar. Oh. Yeah, Best Picture. 
Yeah, I know. Uh, and she was, bless her heart, nominated for Best Actress in the BAFTAs and even sang in the Albert Hall. Like, her first proper public performance was in the Albert Hall. You know, my knees were knocking in the rehearsal. Um, and <laughs> she's like, yeah, whatever, I'll go for it. You know, I told her to focus on one thing, you know, if you feel like you're scared. And she looked into the audience and focused on one thing and then thought, why have I just focused on Lady Gaga? <laughs> Move my eyeline straight away. And then she moved it and it was the whole cast of West Side Story. She's going, oh my God. <laughs> As a parent, I can imagine there is a slight sick feeling of like, is she, this going to be okay? She was nine years old and she did Shrek the musical and she played Little Princess Fiona and she had to sing a verse. And I walked into the Drury Lane Theatre and sat down in my seat and said to my wife, no, no, I can't do this. Went to the bar. <laughs> got a pint of wine and more or less downed it before the show started and the person next to me was just looking at me kind of going there's something wrong with this guy I think but you know I just couldn't take the yeah. pressure whereas yeah. she's like whatever you know and she's not she's the first to say she's not a singer but she's got a lovely voice and but yeah no she's had a, an amazing career so far and, and she's such a lovely person and a down-to-earth and fun but also you know, she goes off tomorrow to San Francisco to do a film. And for the last three weeks, all she's done is prep on this film, not just learning her lines, but, you know, she'll read the novel it's from, she'll research the character, the era, everything. She's got her little notes on her script. And I, I burst with pride more for that, really, oh. than her being on a red carpet. You were quite like that, though. Yeah, I've always you? taught her to prepare. Prepared. Yeah, you've got to, I think. Like you, you know, you've read everything and stuff, and it, it just makes that a conversation. No, <laughs> I bet it was. <laughs> I'm really aware throughout your career that you've always, everything you've done, you've approached in this very methodical, you know, you would say there'd be some conductor saying we might want you to sing this. You won't need to sing the aria. Yeah. And you'd say, I'll do it anyway. <laughs> you know? I don't know why that happened. That was really weird. It was uh, one of my first, well, it was my first um, professional engagement in St. David's Hall in Cardiff. Um, and it was with Sir Neville Mariner and, you know, huge, big classical names. And I was only meant, as you say, to do the recitative. Um, and rise, Jephthah, and he, I can't even remember it. Um, and then there's a, an aria after it called Happy Iphis. Happy Iphis shalt thou be. And, um, and I, you know, I was learning it with my teachers. And they said, oh, come on, you might as well learn that as well. Yeah. And it, when I sang for Sir Neville, um, he, uh, we, the company's just carried on, and so I carried on singing the aria, and then I, he said, right, we're doing it, we'll, we'll put it in tonight, in the show. Yeah, it's funny, all these people you work with, like, everyone's like, oh, what was, you know, and they'll mention various sort of Hollywood people, and I just, it was Leonard Bernstein that, he loved you. And thank, thank God, and I'll never forget being in the Barbican yes. with um, the... London Symphony Chorus mm. and uh, Richard Hickox, who's sadly no longer with us, he conducted them. And we're all waiting for Lenny, as they called him, to walk in. And I was physically shaking with nerves. And this guy walks in with white hair, with a big velvet cape, for God's <laughs> sake, a cape. And I went, nice to meet you. And he put me in a headlock. And he went, I've been wanting to work with you, little kid, for such a long time. And tapped me on the head with his baton and then proceeded to take me in uh, like a masterclass for over an hour in front of the chorus, because he wanted, he said, I'll never get this sung as I want it ever again in my lifetime, so I want it to be perfect. Wow. And it was amazing. He was like Harry Potter. When he did that with his baton, you could feel the energy coming out at the end of it. And because I got to know him very well, I'd be sitting there watching him on the podium. And one time, 
he started frothing white at the mouth yeah. and I thought oh shit he's going to die um, and I, I thought he's going to die no he was chewing mints was so, and honestly I wanted to be him so badly when I was little that I'd wait to go on because if somebody else was on before me with Leonard Bernstein so yeah. I think it was Guidon Creme or another yeah, musician yeah, yeah. and then I'd know my turn was coming because Leonard Bernstein's right hand man would put a towel over his arm light a cigarette in a cigarette holder, have it in his mouth, and have a massive scotch on the rocks in his other hand. So he'd be like this, okay? Is this backstage? Backstage. Lenny would come off stage, sweating like mad, grab the towel, wipe his face, throw it on the floor, grab the cigarette, (laughs) whack back the scotch, (laughs) grab my hand and walk on. And I'd watch all this going, this is amazing. That sounds like Frank Skinner. (laughs) (laughs) He's got to be your new friend. Because you like cathedrals, he likes cathedrals. Yeah, he does. You like Doctor Who, he likes My, d- my daughter Who. was in Doctor Who when she was a kid. Yeah, the rings of Akatan. Uh, but you know, the lovely thing I, I like about my daughter is that my wife and I never ever told anyone a- about what she did or anything like that. And it's only through CODA and the Oscars that, you know, I remember somebody asking me on a daytime television show, what, why didn't you talk about her years ago? Because she's been in Lock and Key. I said, it's nothing to do with me, is it? You know, she's doing it in her own right. You know, she doesn't need some fat old Welshman to be saying, oh, she's, she's my daughter. <laughs> I won't have you talking about Anna Jones. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, Anna Jones MBE, I believe. Oh, whatever. Do you cry? When did you um, last cry? Uh, I cry? I cried with CODA, Amelia's film, because it's so moving, especially the bit where she holds her, well, her dad holds her throat when she sings because he's deaf Mm. Um, and yeah I cried at that but yeah I can get emotional when Arsenal lose to Crystal Palace what's Alan like when he's cross because I can't you seem so mellow I can't Um, imagine you being cross like it never lasts with me Uh, (laughs) what's the point really do you know what I don't think I've ever been cross at work if something goes wrong on stage or something like that um, you know you might mention it but then what's the point dwelling on anything like that and I've, I've never understood anyone in TV you hear stories of people shouting at runners and stuff like that and you think God almighty you know, they're, 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 they're trying their hardest to bring you yeah. tea and stuff like that you know it's not going down the mine is it you know it's uh, do you think that helped do you think that being a child and going into those environments and sometimes feeling a bit scared really yeah in and that absolutely and I think I'm going to hold him now because he's an only I, I think sometimes I maybe you know, I, I always try and play Jack the Lad and make people laugh and stuff like that. And I think that's, that's part of who I am and I've always been that person. But to shout at people, I don't get that at all, really. No. And, and to be cross, yeah, of course, you know, everyone has their moments. But I try not to dwell on those and move on, really, because, you know, God, life's short, isn't it? And one thing COVID has taught us is to embrace every bleeding second. Should we sit on this Thank log? You. Let's sit on the log. Oh, I'm on the log with Alan Jones. There's another podcast. Oh. <laughs> We could have a Christmas log. <laughs> Alan Jones, you're going to have to hold Raymond. I will hold Raymond. I'm going to go on the log. Raymond is so light. Right. Aren't you? I can't. I'm going to get, get this side of Alan. You your dog. Yeah. You know, you can get papoose. them. Claire had one for Cubby because he became blind. Aww. Our Cubby, and he was diabetic. We had to inject him twice a day. And Aww. she turned up one day, but with Cubby like this, in a papoose. I was like, no, I can't do that, I'm afraid. <laughs> Oh, somebody's dressed Stop. very country. Hello. Hello. Is, this a, is that your Labrador? It is. Lovely. What's the name? Ida, as in Ida Duck. Ah. Ida Duck. This is Raymond. Raymond. Raymond, yeah. Count of Toulouse. Oh, well. <laughs> what a lovely... That's actually not who he's named after. Are you on radio? 
Yes. About what? About dog walking. <laughs> yeah. Are you a famous dog walker? I'm not. No, not at You're all. A famous dog walker. No. She is. Yeah. I'm not. He is. <laughs> I'm a singer. <laughs> yeah, he's a singer. A singer. Mm. Cantor. Yeah. What do you sing? Uh, classical stuff. Like the Talis singers. Uh, then I'm not as good as them. My wife goes to the opera, so I go with her. Okay. But I don't really like opera. I like church music. Yeah, me much too. More, yeah, me I too. I can't tell you why. Me too. I'm you know, definitely Mozart's with you. Requiem is the dog's bollocks. You cannot do better than <laughs> I might get a t shirt with that written on it. Ida, carry on. Ida? Ida. Yeah. Ida, Ida. Yeah, 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 yeah. Over. Oh, oh well done. She went over the log. Oh, yeah, she does that. She loves it. We Raymond? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. What's your name? Aled. Aled Jones. Oh, oh, I could do that. Yeah, easy. <laughs> easy. Uh, maybe not now. Are you Welshman? Yeah. Oh, that's why you can sing. Well, I suppose so. He's got quite a voice. Nice Lovely. to see you. you Come on. Nice, nice to, nice to, see to meet you, William. William. Oh, he was a nice man. He had me at church music. You had Walking in the Air sung to you all the time when you were growing up. Yeah, and they had that that um, verse which they'd sing was my name is Ella Jones I like to pick my nose I do I like to pick my bum especially with my thumb oh so I had that for like a solid year every break you know um, at school yeah and there was a time where I used to like really not hate it um, but you know I if it was playing in a in a big store or something like that and I'd hear the ding 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 ding, ding I'd be like I'm out of here and then I got to know that I'm always sandwiched in between Cliff and Slade. So if, I, if one of those tracks came on, I'd like, I'd exit stage left. But now, um, you know, I don't, I don't mind one bit. I was not a very nice dad. Uh, one Christmas we went away as a family and my daughter was very young and her favorite toy was a snowman toy. And I'm like, I can't let her board the flight with this snowman toy because everyone will think, God, he's pushing it on his kids. And so I hid it. And so I said, you don't want to take snow with you, you want to take this. She was like, okay. And I thought, oh no, terrible. I've even had a stewardess sing it over the tannoy system. It must have been her last flight, thinking back, because literally the tannoy came on and she went, I'm walking in the air, and then giggled, and then tannoy went off. And I was like, wow, that's like, that's, that's not caring. <laughs> you feel like someone who's never... You never sit still. You're always wanting to learn, aren't you? Yeah, I like a challenge. Like I'm going well. to write kids' books. I'm yeah. going to do that. You know, you never think I've mastered everything. Well, I've know? mastered nothing really. Um, <laughs> you know, and but yeah, no, I, I, I do like a challenge. You know, I even did Strictly, and because I wanted to learn how to do some dances, and I, you know, I loved the physical aspect of it and the eight hours training a day and stuff. But the actual show doing it was like the most nerve-wracking thing ever. The Mars Singer. The Mars Singer was I had fun. Michael Owen on this podcast last yes, week. Yes, I saw. Yeah. <gasps> Donut. With his daughter, wasn't it? Donut, yeah. And well, someone shouted in <laughs> one of my gigs, they went, you were great as Donut. And I'm like, no, that's like the Liverpool, ex-Liverpool centre forward. Um, so I was like, who maybe can't sing brilliantly. <laughs> but yeah, that was, I've never done anything like it in my life. The secrecy of it and NDAs being signed off everywhere. You can't tell anyone, you know, you're wearing a balaclava, a visor, gloves, a hoodie with don't speak to me on it. And, but you know what? I'll tell you a story now. Again, you're the worst. You get things out of me. Um, <laughs> my daughter was doing an event for BAFTA yeah. uh, where she had to sing both sides now. And I'd said, well, I'll, I'll come to the sound check with you, but I'll meet you there because I was doing Classic FM. And I, so I walked into the theatre in the hotel where she was singing and she was up on stage with a guitar 
go with a guitarist. Yeah. And I looked and I thought, oh, it's sounding great. And then I thought, holy crap. <laughs> She'd gone into my wardrobe and she was wearing the Don't Speak To Me <laughs> hoodie whilst the show was on. So everyone would have guessed it was me. So I went, I went to Claire, Claire, tell her to close her coat, tell her to close her coat. And so Claire had to go on stage and literally close her coat. And Amelia's like, what the hell are you doing? I'm mid-song. You know, <laughs> thankfully no one was in there in the sound check, but I, my heart just stopped because that would have been it. Oh, you're so cuddly. He really likes you, Alan. I hope so, I really like him. I kind of miss Poochie. <laughs> Where is he? When you need him. Oh, it's been fun. We should go to the Arsenal one day. I would love to go to the Arsenal. Highlight of my life happened in the old Highbury. Did it? What was that? Uh, I, I can't remember. Who, I think it was a Liverpool match, and we were on the North Bank. I used yeah. to stand just behind David Seaman's goal, up a bit from it, and 9,000 people started singing, Alla Jones, Alla Jones, you're not singing anymore. <laughs> I was 18 years old, and I just thought, this is the greatest thing ever. Will you sing something to Raymond? Um, you ready? You, you'll love this. It's a Christmas favourite. We're walking in the air. We're floating in the moonlit sky. There you go, Raymond. He's like, that's rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> He's lost it. Oh, I'm having a lick. Oh, Do you know cute. what I always say? And I say this to... Because I'm not religious, but I have a theory that people who have faith, I think... They're not always perfect, they don't always no. get it right, but there's a desire, you're aiming towards something. I don't really think of myself as a very good Christian, like I don't go to church for instance, mm. Mm. but I love people and I, I think that, you know, as long as you, it's like that be kind, isn't it? Yeah. Well, everyone should be, you know what I mean? And I think that, but having that kind of background as I had as a chorister, singing that music, that's what seeped into my soul and, you know, and when I am singing this, the sort of music I do, that's when I feel there's a, there is a connection, you know, to something greater and better, really. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think you're right. It's, uh, it's all about spirituality, I suppose, more than anything, isn't it? How have you felt walking Raymond? Has it made you slightly hanker after maybe thinking about getting another dog? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, 100%. But it did the other day when we were looking after little Pippa, the miniature Dachshund. Um, who literally looked like a, you know, one of those things you put on the door to stop the draft coming in. Is this your friend's door? Yeah. It's so long. Oh. <laughs> it's, um, but tiny. And his feet are literally that big. I kid you not, the size of finger. But yeah, I, I, honestly, it's, there's nothing like a dog walk really, is there? You know, you see the joy on their faces and it gets you out and about. Yeah. Oh, look how happy Although Raymond is. is not walking at the moment. He's being carried. Alid, we have so loved. So I've really enjoyed it. Thanks so much for having me on. It's great. Well, keep in touch as well. Well, I really recommend everyone goes and buys Alid's. I mean, I'm an adult and I loved it. We didn't need children, but it's a brilliant children's book. So please buy the book. Thank um, you. I have loved chatting to you. Raymond has really fallen for well, you. Well, yeah, we're off now. So, uh, yeah, thanks, thanks for having me and uh, thanks for the gift. <laughs> bye, Alid. Bye, Raymond. Say bye. <laughs> I really hope you enjoyed listening to that and do remember to rate, review and subscribe on iTunes.